This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. With me, as always... It's your girl... Kristen Studdard. K-Stud. Hi, Kristen. Hello, Joe. How are you feeling? Pretty good. It's gorgeous out, and we have been having a fun time prior to this, and I think we're going to continue to have one yeah. all the way through the episode. You know what? We're in a good mood. Truly. Uh, and we have a great guest with us. Very excited to have them. Uh, a writer, a podcaster, and author of the new book, Why Karen Carpenter Matters, Karen Tongson. Hey, everybody. Hi, Hello, Karen. Hello, Karen. Thank you so much for being here. Very happy to be here in historic Filipino town. Yes. Ah. Uh, hi-fi. Hi-fi. Histoflipto. Which mm. is, uh, Histoflipto? <laughs> one that hasn't caught on yet, but I'm trying. <laughs> Give it a shot. I'm pushing it. I'm pushing Histoflipto. Histoflipto. That's yeah. pretty good. That's a good one. You just need that to get into one pop or rap song and you're... It'll take off. It's probably take already off. there. Uh, Histoflipto. You know. <laughs> well, you just need to maybe get some more uh, cool music that's being made in Histoflipto. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we it's really need to a start a scene. A band from the scene has to break, <laughs> and then it'll it'll get out there. Absolutely. Uh, well, Karen, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, not often we get uh, an author. You know, often it's it's you know my comedian <laughs> friends, and we uh, hope we've, for people. We've who... had occasional authors, and yeah. uh, but oftentimes it is authors of like articles and such too. An entire book. Yeah, Holy it's a moment. small volume. It's mm-hmm. a volume, to be though, fair, nonetheless. It is a volume. Yeah, yes. it, it counts. <laughs> also, why Karen Carpenter matters. It's kind of like who cares about the rock hall, it, you know? It feels, yeah, like a, uh, a, a sister alternate uh, title, title. Who cares yeah. about Karen Carpenter? Mm-hmm. Well, it's who in a, Karen's about the Carpenters? Who cares about the Carpenters? <laughs> it's, it's in a, a series called Music Matters. Oh. So uh, I'd love to take credit for the title, but... I had a different one in mind. Ooh, what was it? It was Whiteness and Promises because <gasps> there was a karaoke machine translation error for the line White Lace and Promises. Yes. And we've only just begun. And I love that it read Whiteness and Promises. That's that kind of stimulated the whole project. Mm-hmm. A beautiful misnomer. I love that. And a, in similar vibes, right? White yeah. Lace and Promises and yeah. Whiteness. It, you can see that it would be uh, similar yeah. in, in intent. Whiteness and promises. Uh, well, the the Music Matters series is edited by our friend Evelyn McDonald. Oh, mm-hmm. we love Evelyn. Yeah. I in particular love Evelyn. Yeah, she's I been have, on the show. That's I have a, a I I want connection. I have a connection with her. Special connection. I want I want to uh, body snatch. I, yeah, I like want to be. <laughs> 
I want to be like her sister, her niece. <laughs> like, yeah, I just, you want in the McDonald's. I want in her kayaking partner. <laughs> I'm like, and really, I'm just like for real. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but before we get into the book, I'm curious. Uh, coming into this podcast, what you know, if anything, about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as an institution? I know. Only a little bit about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I know uh, that most of my music journalist friends yearly Mm -hmm. start to get into conversations about the ballots. Yeah, on like an annual basis, like clockwork. Like clockwork. It's sort of like can tell in my very social media feeds when it's the season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know people who've worked or directed the Rock Hall, but I've personally never been there. Uh, Mostly because I've been involved for many years with what is now called the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle. Oh, mm-hmm. Mopop. Mopop. And we do an annual pop conference there. And right. we have a lot of crossover with Rock Hall folks. I bet, yeah. And Rock Hall adjacent folks. But otherwise, I really honestly don't know very much about it, other than that the choices or selections are often quite controversial right. in the subject of intense debate. Yes, right. Yeah, kind of the uh, genesis of this very podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I found myself... So you yeah. are like a, basically a lobbying force or... Firm? Oh my gosh. That's generous. To give us the power <laughs> to lobby. Wow. But yeah, I mean, the, these episodes, I mean, uh, each and individually, I think often stand as a case for the artist... Truly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we try to we try to be as objective as possible, but typically our our guests you would consider to be advocates, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's I mean, wow, just the idea of us it, it's <laughs> it, it's just it is hilarious to me that that this podcast has gotten where it has, but it's like we did we can take credit for one vote one you know ballot. one eighth of one ballot or one, one how many fifth. could he put fifth yeah. one fifth of one ballot oh that's amazing and. We had a, tell oh, yeah no yeah we had, we had a vote we, we had voter. a we had a voter on oh cool and he filled out his ballot on the air oh amazing and we pushed we him strong armed him into voting for Janet oh, Jackson yeah, that's as his great. fifth uh, person <laughs> that was good work thank you that's amazing work and we're taking credit we're taking full credit thank you for your hard work <laughs> one fifth of one ballot out of thousands I think that really tipped we, the scales we made it happen for her it was us and Questlove really <laughs> that mm-hmm. did it. Um, so you uh, run in music journalist circles? I do. Uh, I'm My regular job is I'm a professor at USC, and I teach gender studies and English, but mostly a lot of what I write about and teach is popular culture and popular music. So that means that I've spent a lot of my professional life hanging out with music journalists, mm-hmm. and uh, those are my people most ah. of the time, among other peoples, of course. Right. Yeah. You mentioned uh, that you know people who are involved as directors of the museum or, or have I've been I've met involved. Lauren Anki before. Okay, And yeah. so, uh, yeah. And, I, I, you know, I just never made it out there for anything. Have y'all? Mm-hmm. To Cleveland? To Cleveland. Yeah. I went. I've been to Cleveland, but not to the Rock Hall. I went because I was visiting my sister who was working there. And then I went to the museum while I was there. The premise of the podcast is that Joe cares very deeply about the uh, Rock Hall and I do not. Um, <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> uh, just, just as an FYI. But you've been there. Yeah, I so have like, been there. Oh, no. Hand? And now I've been to uh, an, an induction ceremony. Oh, man. I I have watched several induction hours ceremonies. and hours of induction ceremonies. Mm-hmm. I um, 
I have a slow drip of Kool-Aid going into my <laughs> veins. Uh, I'm, uh, and it's it's slowly, it's working slowly. I'm starting to care a bit more. Yeah, for and sure. And I certainly, There's been an arc, against no my doubt. will, have a lot of knowledge. Wow. Less knowledge than... Maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, given how much given information's how much been thrown information at you, has been thrown at me, some I keep of a stuck. wide sieve open uh, to just you know keep more coming in. But um, and so I, I've been to the museum, uh, but I didn't do like it. it. I, I thought it was <laughs> fine. I enjoyed parts of it. Mm-hmm. We had a little special episode where we talked. Did we release that? Yeah, that came okay. out. <laughs> <laughs> I think we recorded. Yeah, one. we definitely Boko. recorded one. Yeah, and you. So you've been, but you haven't been I, to. the I've museum. not been to the museum. So no. because then, also then annually, the whole the actual induction ceremony yeah. is like, like the a big bigger show. thing yeah. with the big show and all of that. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody recently that's been inducted or snubbed that you uh, that like came on your radar? Well, uh, I mean, you know, I'd heard a lot about the Janet Jackson thing, mm-hmm. uh, and you know. Me too. Heart, there's conversation about heart. The yeah. thing is, I hear the early, nip, like the beginnings of these conversations, but then I kind of just never follow up, s- follow up yeah. and yeah. see if if heart actually made it in. Mm-hmm. They did, or, they know. did. Oh, great. That's yeah. that's amazing. They did. Okay, when they did, they did make it in 2013. Okay, gosh, that was that did long we ago. Watch them? Mm-hmm. I felt like that was like last year or something. I was just like, that must have only been last year. I get, you know, mm-hmm. so right. Um, it I wasn't mean, there. What it was like Radiohead or Radiohead something? Radiohead was okay, this year. Yeah. yeah. What? Who inducted Heart? Chris Cornell. Oh, because they have the Seattle connection. Oh. Uh, and then they they played and they were great. Yeah, you, you enjoyed it. I'll tell I, you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did enjoy yeah, they it. I great. remember their package. Now that we're talking about mm-hmm. it, I do remember their package because there's like footage of them as young girls like playing acoustic yes, guitar by like a babbling very, brook. It's very, it uh, very charming. Sweet well, now I'm gonna like, have to just look that up. Yeah, they don't make the packages as available as as one would like. But you check out our Twitter. You know. Oh, okay. Joe's <laughs> got some oh, some there. secret you know, embedded yeah. things. Yeah. All right. There. He he gives the people what they want. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's talk about your book, Why Karen sure. Carpenter Matters. Yeah. Uh, I read it. I enjoyed it immensely. Well, great. Uh, and it, it's an interesting uh, perspective on things because it's not a traditional uh, biography, and you know, there's a lot of personal touches, and you you look at. The Carpenters, and speci- obviously specifically Karen, through a lot of different lenses, you know, from a Filipino perspective, from a queer perspective. And uh, I'm curious about what drew you to the topic and uh, how this process started. I think my relationship to Karen Carpenter has been overdetermined my entire life, quite obviously, because I was named after her. Oh, my so, God. Uh, yes, she. Uh, there's not really getting away from that figure kind of looming large in your life when, uh, you know, you carry her name. And I also remember, and I write about this in the book, that when I heard about her death, and I was still in the Philippines, but we were about to move here to the United States, I had a very eerie feeling, you know, that kind of like Mm -hmm. tingle up the spine of just like, what does it mean if my namesake dies? Mm -hmm. Uh, And her music, her voice was such a part of our own family history and cosmology. My mom was also a singer. So she, and she was 18 when she had me. So, of course, in 1973, an 18-year-old would name her kid after her favorite singer, Karen yeah, Carpenter. Right. And so th- I guess, you know, it's sort of like at some point I was going to have to deal with her or kind of reconcile that relationship. And in part because also the music has been super enduring in my life, not just because of my family connections or mm-hmm. my mom's proclivities 
you know, for the music, but because of just how popular the carpenters are in the Philippines and how even in Filipino-American life, you know, the kind of standard karaoke songbooks, you can't get away from singing carpenters Really? Songs. So yeah. the carpenters are... I, I did Extremely not know that. popular in the Philippines. Yeah, and, and, and amongst Filipino diasporic people all over the world. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. We can, we, there are hits, Carpenter's hits in the Philippines that never charted in the U.S. that are kind of lesser cuts on their albums that are basically standards. Like people like Leia Salonga will sing them at her cabaret shows or things like that. Oh my God. So yeah. So, so part of, part of it was that it wasn't only an opportunity to kind of figure out a different way of talking about a figure who's you know, had really wonderful biographies written about her already, mm-hmm. but a, a, a different way of thinking about the relationships between the Philippines and the U.S., between, you know, uh, someone who's so white and ostensibly straight-seeming and so ostensibly like, hyper-normal mm-hmm. and someone who's not, and that's me, who is very much brown, very much not thin or thin-oriented, <laughs> and certainly a uh, total homo. Sure. Whiteness and Promises. Yeah, Whiteness and Promises, right? It is a good title. It is such a good title, especially knowing now the lens of uh, that it comes through too. It's so wow. Um, uh, And your mom was just very much like I named you after. Are there a lot of Karens? Not really a lot of Karens. My family is kind of weird because instead of naming, well, in our generation, my mom's generation onward. Uh, a lot of our names come from popular culture. And uh, usually if you meet a lot of other kind of Filipinos or Filipino-Americans, they have very Spanish and devotional names. You know, although, mm-hmm. I mean, there are some folks who have kind of American pop culture names too. I don't want to say that that's just unique <laughs> to my family. But uh, yeah, so so I don't know that there are a lot of other Karens, but certainly in my family, it's like my mom, I think may have like, been named somewhat after Elizabeth Taylor and then me uh, Karen Carpenter my middle name is Lee for Vivian Lee oh and, wow. uh, my cousin uh, who's a month older than me is named Michelle after the Beatles song so oh, wow. you know my family had a really deep connection to pop culture yeah that's so interesting musically inspired uh, yeah. or pop culture inspired western influence names totally whereas my great-grandmother who I grew up around was named Salud you know mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah. Cheers. Help. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you, you talk in the book a lot about uh, Karen Carpenter as a queer icon and kind mm-hmm. of an, an unlikely one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like unlikely, to, I think, to the outside observer, but to a lot of queer people, uh, one that seems a figure who seems very resonant with our own experiences with a lot of things. Uh, and, you know. I mean, there's so many reasons for it. One, of, I'll, and I can talk about them in a second, but one of the things I did want to say is that I went to the Carpenter's 50th anniversary celebration slash fan convention to talk about okay. my book, Here what's in the it, Valley. Oh, what's it called? It was just called the Carpenter's 50th. Okay. No fun. Karen there's Con, no, yeah. Carpenter Con. Yeah. Carp Con. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that would be very confusing for White Carp. White convention. Yes, totally. I'm, just, I'm out here trying <laughs> to name stuff. Yeah. I can't yeah. help it. I mean, Top of the World would be a fun. That would be great. That would be great. Yeah. yeah, it was out in the Valley. It was earlier this summer. Uh, and... I was kind of worried, actually, about, okay, what am I going to find here? Are people not going to be into the queer angle of the book? Because I wasn't sure. And, you know, they asked to see a sample of the chapter 
um, before I came out there, or one of the chapters before I came out mm-hmm. there. So I gave them really kind of innocuous one about mm-hmm. their time at Long Beach. And then once I got there, it was just sort of like, not only were there international fans from Singapore, Japan, uh, you know, you're all over Europe, the UK, Australia, but there were a lot of LGBT fans who were there as well. And they very much resonated with some of the things that I was talking about with the Carpenter's music as kind of contemporary or recently more contemporary torch songs. Yeah, definitely. As far as like, there is something kind of guarded about her voice. Mm. You know, there is a, um, she had her pain that, that like, and that is that a contemporary torch song. That's a great way to put it. You yeah, know. a lot of ballads about like unrequited love, yeah. right? And the idea that you might never be loved, mm-hmm. you know, or that sometimes you need to be in love. Like, sure, those are universal, ubiquitous feelings, but they feel especially melancholy as maybe a young and isolated queer person who doesn't know if you'll ever find anyone who'll love you. And therefore, thematically, at least, the music was super resonant with people, especially in the 70s, if they didn't have any other... And that's like, yeah, we really... There wasn't a lot of, like, popular... uh, I mean, was there any representation, uh, representation yeah. like outward? Like there were, pe- you know, coded. people coded yeah. on game shows and on, you know, sitcoms and, and things. Exactly. Yeah, Charles but, Nelson Rileys, but, but you didn't, but there wasn't any outward. Uh, very few, at least that I can think of. Yeah. Because at that time, it wouldn't usually make it to television. Yeah. You know, the networks. Or even you have people like Elton John or, mm-hmm. you know, Barry Manilow, kind of mm-hmm. who are contemporaries, Liberace. but like, <laughs> Liberace. Yeah, exactly but it's just sort of mind. like kind of, you know, this, there's a sort of, uh, I don't know, the glass closet yeah. they, they lived in at the time. Of course, right? yeah. So, so. The diamond studded closet. That, it's true. It's just like, oh, he's just such a showman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's so camp. Yeah. I so right. camp. Yeah. So arch and creative. Yes. yes. Yeah, plenty of words. Uh, <laughs> Confirmed bachelor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah, and you, uh, you, the the duality uh, that I thought was interesting that you uh, proposed in your book that is one that has existed is uh, and has come up in drag shows before is Karen Carpenter and Mama Cass. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting comparison. Like two ends of the. Yeah, the, the two sides the of the same coin, sort of like, I mean, uh, yeah. Yes, I mean, like sim- similar stories of, you know, premature death, uh, both died of heart failure, but, you know, from, you could argue, on the different sides of consumption, mm-hmm. right? On the different sides of... Excess versus underconsumption. Yes. Exactly, yeah. And I thought that was interesting that also those two figures have been kind of exalted in like drag communities and well yeah i mean the sort of cast versus karen thing there's a, a real morbid joke that circulated for a while like you know that if only we'd given karen the ham sandwich cast choked on when oh. she died which yeah. is like you know of course she actually like that's not how mama right. cast died but mm-hmm. you know that perpetuates both these you know the, the kind of uh and it punishes both women for their yeah. like you right. know so-called pathologies but i think that you know one of them one of the things of course like both also had really distinct voices and you know emblematic voices right and so what i talk about is how you know cast is that booming loud brassy, diva brassy brash. who takes a, who doesn't mm-hmm. need a microphone right mm-hmm. and karen is such an artisan with a mic 
Like that's mm-hmm. one of the aspects of her voice that is, you know, people don't talk about a lot is that she was a true expert with how to use the mic to her advantage and to take like those really low and resonant tones that might not project otherwise uh-huh. and just allow it to, you know, to really kind of be absorbed by the mic and for the mic to like enhance it in all these different ways, not through tricks or anything, but just like in a way that catches the real intimacy of her tone. Well, and that's kind of, you know, obviously that is the inverse of the, the cast, you know, thing. And also with her just actually shrinking and, you know, hiding in, in like being behind the drum kit, you know, and behind the microphone and, and kind of like, small just being so small versus someone so big just the dichotomy of the two of them but she wanted to stay behind the drums Mm -hmm. is the thing and I think that among you know other other biographers have talked about this too like it was incredibly traumatic for her to move out in front of to the front of the stage right to be the lead singer Mm -hmm. and to be the focal point of attention because she also really just enjoyed being a musician she loved drumming Mm -hmm. so you know that was that was something that she talked about even in interviews with the press or with Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. She'd say how much she really hated, you know, She's she was like, just I sort hate of what I'm doing in this moment, which <laughs> yeah. is talking to the press. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I would rather not. Thank you. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, she referred to herself as a drummer who sings mm-hmm. quite often. Uh, and I think there's, there's also built into that, uh, that fear is kind of the relationship she had with her brother who was, uh, when growing up, he was the star child. Like it was, they moved f- to California from the East Coast for Richard's music career, and that she was. I literally was like, "Let me think of what her brother's name is." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, but and that that ends up being the irony. Obviously, is that you know Karen is the superstar, uh, and you know another good name for that convention. Yeah, yeah. The superstar <laughs> convention. Uh, but Richard was always positioned, especially within the family, uh, as the golden boy. Yeah, absolutely. That was, and and the thing is, it didn't seem like on the surface Karen minded that because, like, that was just the, that was just like how the family was oriented, right? Like that was the familial cosmology. Like it was, you know, Richard. Richard is the talented musician. He's the arranger. He's the composer. You know, she started singing because he needed backup, right? She started playing drums because he needed a drummer for his mm-hmm. jazz combo. And, you know, she was sort of a little more aimless, like, and, you know, was kind of roughhousing, a roughhousing tomboy who liked to play sports and stuff like that. And, you know, she, she sort of trailed her little brother. But when the Carpenters became big and, you know, the focal point became Karen, I think that there was a lot of denial in the family that anything had shifted, mm-hmm. that, you know... um, that it was actually Karen who was, you know, the the really popular one. I mean, they were both really popular, to be fair. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to say, hey, I'm an awesome arranger. Yeah. <laughs> Producer check out, check out my arrangements. Yeah. Check out my arrangements. Hey, hey. They're awesome. Sure, she yeah. sounds great, but do you know who arranged Do you know who arranged this, <laughs> right? And that's, so that's sort of the thing, too. It's just, you know, like... Um, 
that's that's kind of how it shook out, right? It's, yeah. So, um, and you know, people ask me if I think Richard matters, and I was like, of course, Richard matters, right? You know, he under he he created Look, the sound. all lives matter. Okay. <laughs> all carpenters matter. Get it? Okay. <laughs> Just because I'm saying that Karen matters doesn't mean I don't think Richard matters. Is that is that a question you've you've faced online in particular? I faced that question before. I faced that question in other interviews. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, honestly, like at the Carpenters Convention, yes, uh, I mean, he matters a lot. The reason that they had the convention at, in that particular location. Is he still alive? Yeah. Is, wow. Yeah. See, I'm really over here. Like, uh, we'll, go, we'll get to my knowledge of the Carpenters <laughs> in a second. It is shallow. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, please continue. No, <laughs> at no. At the convention, he... I mean, the, 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 the reason they had it in this really kind of random place in the Valley, especially for such an international gathering is because Richard lived nearby mm-hmm. and there was this sort of, I think this hope that he might swing on through Did he and come? have a chat and, you know, and, and, and I remember there was the big buzz because there are a lot of musicians who'd worked with the carpenters and like kind of important figures who were like close friends and family kind of figures related to the carpenters. And I remember the buzz was like, if Richard's going to show up at all, it's going to be today. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't make mm-hmm. it. This is like when we were at the Rock Hall and it was like, if anything is going to get uh, Tom York here, it's David Byrne. And then he right. didn't, and then he's he didn't like, show. not even for David Byrne. Not even no. for David Byrne. It really felt like the Hall did, did their best to try to get Radiohead there because we like, they had been very public happen. about, we're not going to show up. We kind of don't get it. This is an American thing. We're confused. <laughs> and it really felt like, well, what if we what if David Byrne indexes you? You know, Radiohead ah, comes from a Talking Heads song. That? Yeah, and you're, you obviously care about this guy so much. Wouldn't that be nice to? And then, yeah, most They're of them didn't show in up. The valley. They're like, okay, hey, we're just a couple miles from your house, Richard. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of musicians you played with. It's like here How we about it. We have like face cupcakes. You know, it's like, amazing. Yeah, hey, we got face cupcakes. <laughs> and and but the thing is, you know, he did actually write a sweet message on Instagram and posted a photo and thanked everybody for coming. Aww. So there you go. He Acknowledgement. He acknowledged uh, the group, and and that was great. And Radiohead sent two of the four members. <laughs> the five, yeah. Two of the five members. So. Yeah. Let it be known, the, the drummer and the second yeah, guitar player exactly. were there. They really, they yeah, really showed up They for showed us. up. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, was there, like, Carpenters-only karaoke and stuff at this event? There wasn't. There were Carpenters tribute acts. There were multiple Carpenters tribute acts from around the world. Uh, a British singer and an Australian singer and people based in Las Vegas who do like a full tribute act like in outfits. Were there any like drag acts? There were no drag Gosh, acts. that'd be a great drag act for a drag king and a drag queen. That would be together. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Be that'd be a very uh, good Now one. you've given me an idea for 55. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know. Like uh, there were, yeah, there were, the thing is, I think that most of the activities, there's a really great article actually in the LA Times that R.J. Smith wrote about this gathering and about some of the individual people stories who attended this convention. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the wonderful thing about it is that they, you know, went to 
like the Carpenters' old house on the cover of the Now and Then album mm-hmm. uh, in Downey. So Downey had like its hugest like spike in tourism in ages. <laughs> I mean, Downey tourism <laughs> it sounds, sense. you know, not, not a ton of other. I literally only reasons. go to Downey to <laughs> escort at the abortion clinic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's all Downey is for you. So that's what it is for me. Well, next time swing by the apartments <laughs> at the Carpenters. Next time I'll go to the Carpenters' apartments. <laughs> yeah. There's a good bakery down there too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did they, I mean? Did they end up demolishing that house, or is it still standing? Because I remember it's I, still there. Because there had been plans to take it down, and the uh, Carpenter fan community uh, kind of rose up to oh, totally. protest it. They stepped up. I mean, yeah, a bunch of folks took photos of themselves with the album kind of splayed out, like mm-hmm. in front of the house, right? Wow. And uh, the apartments that were an initial investment of Richard and Karen's, like they have two apartment buildings. In Downey, the, the close to you, and the uh, I, I can't remember the other one. Gosh, I'm totally blanking with that one. And then, of course, they also went to Long Beach State to the Carpenters Performing Arts Center there because they went to college at uh, Cal State Long Beach. And, they, and they've named the yeah the, the Carpenters Arts Center. Center. Where are the they Carpenters. from originally? And they moved to California from they were New Haven, New Haven, Connecticut. Okay, whiteness Across and promises, <laughs> whiteness and promises. Yeah. Right. Wow. Uh, and that and that house in Downey. Correct me if I'm wrong. Also has significance because they continued to live there after their success. Yeah, with they, their parents for a very long time. That's where Karen died in that right. house in Downey. Actually, um, she only lived very briefly away from home, and they lived away from home when they were touring. But they how lived many with their kids parents. were there? Only the it's two. Just of the them. two. Just the and, two. And they stayed as adults into their yeah. immense success, which is yeah. bizarre. At, with their parents, yeah. is yeah. there something weird going on there? Was this a, are we, are they? Is it okay? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm serious. Well, for sure. I mean, there have been. A, a, stories, a lot of speculation. Yeah, and speculation about specifically the mother and her controlling, potentially controlling uh, relationship with Karen, and that maybe being tied into the anorexia, uh, among other things. I, I mean, they just, there was a close and. So it was a foursome. The, just the parents and the the brother and the sister. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did any of them ever marry or find partners at this time? Karen. When married briefly in uh, the like 1980, like a few years before she died. That was a short-lived marriage. She had a huge wedding, and he, she unfortunately married this really sleazy, like m- you know, uh, gold-digging real estate dude. Um, and that was sad. And he was like, "Go buy this apartment building, girl." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like here. Let's make some. He was overly uh, tanned. I remember uh-huh. he fake baked. Um, and in California too. Come I know, on. right? Get it's like clue. you have to do that. Um, and well, Richard married after Karen died. Okay, but so. uh, but other than when she was out living in real estate land. She lived, they lived with well, the Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that or she lived Or did he just husband. move in with the parents? <laughs> I am curious. This I, is an interesting situation to me that they she were... She had a condo in Century City for a minute when she had a, another serious uh, boyfriend. and uh, But then they had trouble and she kind of moved back while she he was... go back. Making, yeah. I'm just, I mean, that's just wild to me because they were so successful. I mean, it, it, they did not have to do yeah. that. Yeah, that's I feel what like I mean. Richard that's why did I'm move out. Though. Is there some, yeah. you know? I think that eventually Richard did move out, but I think that Karen remained because, like, Richard didn't live there anymore when Karen returned after, you know, getting therapy in New York, recording her solo album, there, then getting therapy and coming back. 
And she was supposedly on the men, but and she was back at the house, but Richard wasn't living there. Mm-hmm. So okay, at the time, yeah. so there was you know, he I think moved out first. Something right. I just I, I am I'm like yeah. Hmm, well, I you know like they were asked about this. Things I feel like there's got to be some sort of. Um, I'm sure that someone's working on a podcast about it where they, yeah. where they get to the bottom what of, you know, what went on house. in the carpenter house and was it Munchausen by proxy? Like <laughs> what's going on? You yeah. know, I just, that, well, I was like, I, Munchausen by proxy is so huge right now. It's so big it's right now. I it's literally totally having a moment. I listened to a podcast about it recently and that is what pinged it. I was like, Hmm, a controlling relationship with a mother yeah. and she's slowly wasting away. I'm just like, that doesn't, mm. something, mm. something Oh wow! Is going on, you know, true crime podcast. I mean, there and I go. don't even listen to true crime podcasts. This was just like a story on a different podcast that I listened to that mm-hmm. is not affiliated <laughs> with true crime. Uh, that but, was just, yeah, but they were asked about it explicitly. Like there were radio DJs. I think a DJ in Toronto. Were like, so all your songs are about incest, right? And Richard uh-huh. complained about the fact that the record company A and M didn't know how to market them. Yeah, I mean, it is hard to market a male female brother sister duo unless. Unless they're the Osmonds, right? Because it was like the uh, well, because there well, were even that is even creepy. that no, they were creepy. Yeah, I would say that was not an effective. Uh, I there said was no unless they're the Osmonds, I was like maybe take for instance the Osmonds. <laughs> it's it's like, very hard to market a brother sister. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's an example, not an exception. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, because they had such a they were. I mean, they'd like you to believe they weren't as squeaky clean as they were presented, which is probably true. But mm-hmm. that also, there's got to be an element of truth to that because that's what what resonated, and that's you see it and you go, yeah, that makes sense. I think there was a sense of indebtedness and obligation to their parents. They were uh, they came from a relatively working class background, actually, from New Haven, and and you know, uh, they when they first moved to California, they you know didn't live in a home. They lived in an apartment and. Uh, you know, it, it actually took the Carpenters' success as, you know, musical artists to kind of create a better life for their family in mm-hmm. a way. And so that that's so there may have been that that aspect of it as well, a kind of close knitness that was about, you know, a certain understanding about taking care of the parents that that almost seems like, you know, it seems very old world or it seems like something like, like different ethnic communities yeah. do, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah. Like my mom would be like, you need to take care of us when we're old, that yes. kind of thing, yes. you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so it could, there could be that aspect of it as well, but I think yeah, that there it was, it could not be as seedy as I'm making it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to, <laughs> it have to do of some sort of Munchausen. bizarre Munchausen by proxy, but it also could. Guys. It also, could. Just, I mean, yeah, know, but there we were aspects. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We don't. Hey, we don't know. Uh, well, getting back to the, the Hall of Fame, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one, one of the difficult things about trying to determine if someone is worthy or not worthy for the Rock and Hall of Fame is the fact that music is so subjective, right? And how do you evaluate someone uh, on these uh, on something that is so subjective? So in an attempt for objectivity, and because I'm a huge nerd, I've put together a list of categories that I think if you do well in these categories, you have a decent shot at induction. So right. uh, we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, we're going to see how the carpenters stack up. Okay. We'll wow. be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. Yeah, I hope that during your break, you remembered a TV show that you've been meaning to watch. 
Right. Yeah. Just get on it. Just it, get on it already. We Look know there's a list. lot of content. There's a lot of content. We're in the golden age of, <laughs> of the small screen, but But just hey, knock it out. Just knock it out. Knock it off and knock, knock it, it out. off and knock it out, guys. <laughs> All right. Let's go through these categories. The Carpenters. Oh, can I begin by telling you yeah, what I know what about you the know? Carpenters? Yes, for sure. Oh, yes. What I know about the Carpenters. Please. I know they were brother and sister. I now know that they're from New Haven, Connecticut. You now know a lot of stuff. I do, but I still don't know much more than what we've discussed. I know that um, Karen Carpenter died of anorexia um, or complications there thereof. Um and that was like the big thing that I remember about her, uh, just like popular culture wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know the song Superstar and the Sonic Youth cover of it from, mm-hmm. from the 90s. <laughs> from the 90s. And then also featured in the movie Juno. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I know that why, why do birds suddenly appear? Oh, close to you. Right. <laughs> uh, and then Top of the World, you reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. And then what other song? We'll, we'll get yeah, to okay, that. So great. But, uh, so, you, you know so more I, than you're letting. So I know letting a few. I know on. some That's of those. Those are the core, the core basics. And then they were um, that she played the drums and she has a nice voice. There you go. The uh, playing the drums part actually impressed me because not a lot of people who just are sort of lay folks wouldn't necessarily know that. I mean, it, it's I pretty common footage. knowledge. I just remember footage. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it might also be from all the amount of VH1 programming that I watched in the 90s when they would the do videos. the I love the 70s stuff and they would go like mm-hmm. year by year. Yeah. You know, right. like, and they probably devoted probably 15 minutes to the Carpenters. At they least, were stretching yeah. it out. Paul F. Tompkins is giving his hot takes on it. I yeah. mean, like... They're doing the 70s again. They were, like they've done... You <laughs> they know, they used to do that. Yes. They would do I love the 70s part de or whatever because like they, <laughs> they just were, needed programming they and they had already done programming. it. So they would yeah. just do it again but then they'd just do the B-sides. Um... Yeah, I mean, with a little note about Karen Carpenter's Car- Carpenter's Car- Karen Carpenter's Karen Carpenter. Uh, there was like a, a famous uh, poll, like a readers' poll in Playboy, uh, like the best drummers, and Karen Carpenter came in at number oh, one. Oh God, I really oh, was like, amazing. if this is going to be about her then, being hot, I am going to freak out. Like if right. it no, was no, just no. like yeah, yeah. no, no, was surprising like, hottest skinny ladies, I would just be. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, like, it was best drummers, and uh, she came in at number one, and John Bonham came in at number two wow. from Led Zeppelin, which wow. I thought was very funny. That is a lot of bookstore events. People are surprised when I just mentioned the fact that she was a drummer. Oh, really? So that's why I was like, "Oh, oh that's cool." I knew that for you all were a of the, your professed ignorance. Yeah, you know, I knew. Yeah, I think if you weren't around at the time and you're just listening to the records, you know, yeah. that doesn't come. I up guess as... I just remembered. There's a really iconic video in my head of her wearing a long sleeve yellow dress with like ruffles because it's very 70s mm-hmm. and she has um, headphones on and she's singing into a microphone and playing drums I don't know what song she's playing but like that clip in my mind is Karen Carpenter yeah, yeah. and so that's why I always associate her with the drums well, the Carpenters have been eligible for Rock Hall induction since the 1995 ceremony. Good. Had they ever been nominated? They have never been nominated. This is, we're back. Wow. This, is, this is the same death. I can feel it. This yeah. is the B-52s. So, They're going to get nominated and everyone's going to be like, I forgot they weren't in. No Hall connections that I know of. I don't oh. think Richard is. I mean, Karen died before the Hall was even a thing and, and mm-hmm. Richard has not shown up for any reason He didn't stage, even show up to his own convention. Of. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> he shows up to other countries. Like, what? He did, you know, like 
I talk about how when he'd come to the Philippines and like perform with like other singers and things like that. He performed for government officials. Yeah, right? for the president of the Philippines at the time. And he was Not just, I think, one, in, though, in the right? UK recently too because they, the Carpenters have a new album out the, uh, with the London Philharmonic Orchestra, which are basically new arrangements. Okay. Oh. Um, and uh, or with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, and uh, it's a hit record in the UK. Interesting. And so I think that he was out there anyway. But he doesn't really do a lot. He's not a super public, yeah, guy. Yeah. It seems here. Yeah, yeah, here at least. Yeah. Uh, first, maybe he'd thank the hall on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> first category is critical acclaim. Now, at the time. The Carpenters were kind of reviled amongst critics, especially the like kind of male rock critics from so the mellow. 70s. Well, because they were so kind of saccharine and they were very perfectionist. You know, the, a lot of the rock critics from like the late 60s, like, early get 70s. In the, get in, get on drugs, get in the studio and get, fuck it up. Yeah, be sloppy, be messy. Yeah. Like the spirit of rock and roll was in the imperfections and the and they were such, uh, like I said, perfectionists in the studio uh, and every note is where it needs to be. And Richard's arrangements are, are, are very... Well, and like you were talking with her microphone technique, too. Yeah. Like kind of the... the mm-hmm. They're yeah, sonically very perfect. He could tell which uh, radio stations had turntables that were running a little faster or slower than... Uh, they needed to right. based on the Isn't recordings. That crazy? Yeah. Would he call in? I wonder if he would actually. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Would. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I would say that over time, though, uh, critics have come around on the Carpenters, whereas initially they were not a critical darling by any means. But now critics are able to see their value uh, in the pop canon. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that you know. Partly the 1970s was such a moment that actually rock criticism itself was emerging as a category and was coming to the forefront of music criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I think that rock criticism was especially invested in kind of uh, keeping its boundaries in a way, even though, we, you know, we talk about it's like the carpenters were too boundaried. I think, you know, like it was just sort of like, no, this is about rock and roll. This is where we're, we get some of these values that persist into rock criticism now. And there was no way that they were going to make accommodations for anything that reeked of the middle of the road. So, yeah. so that's, I think that that's sort of it. Like, I think that they're also kind of, you know, um, I don't know, like sort of somewhat uh, too much outside of like the zeitgeist. For right. You can imagine like in an era where like Janis Joplin is the big thing, then Karen Carper doesn't seem as exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, is there, I guess to me too, their music can seem a bit easy listening, you know, it's like, oh, it so almost smooth. like defines the, it defines the, to- the tone of easy listening. And I don't mean that in like a derogatory way, but I think that that is often used in a derogatory way. Right. And soft rock, soft easy rock, listening, easy listening music to play in the office. Yeah. That they comfortably you know, fit inoffensive. Mm-hmm. In Does they way. claim to have invented the power ballad? Which really? is with Goodbye to Love, which is one of the first easy listening or middle of the road like ballads to feature uh, basically a shredding guitar solo in the middle of it. What song is this? Goodbye, goodbye to, to Love. love. I'd say goodbye to love. There are no tomorrows for this heart of mine. Surely time will lose these bitter memories and I'll find that there is some. To believe in 
and then it, it like and then it, it builds up to like, this, uh, like, like a fuzz. And that yeah. was 1972. So that's Whoa. before, you know, anything by Journey. Yeah. <laughs> right. But the template, they kind of set the template yeah. for that. Yeah. For like open arms or whatever. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but when we talk about critical acclaim, sometimes the appearance on these like Rolling Stone lists uh, oh, yeah. can indicate some sort of critical acclaim that ties into the next category, classic albums. Do you guys think that the Carpenters have any showing on the 500 greatest albums as how, determined by Rolling Stone? How many albums did they have? Did they put out? They had a lot of a albums. A lot of albums. So like they basically released an album a year if and sometimes more frequently. Did they have one in that was like the big yeah. one that had the 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 greatest hits type um songs well, on it well, was there... close to you was like the big smashing debut right with close to you on it and we've only just begun that was the name of that oh yeah we've yeah. only just begun i do know that yeah. song. Right. of course yeah what and a bunch of other stuff on it and so close to you is the name of that album yeah i think if any album is on there it's close to you okay and i think so are you gonna say yes or no to close to you being on the 500 greatest mm. albums and this Boy. is a question for both of you I got burned. I used to be very good at guessing this stuff, and I got burned in our last episode, and now I'm gun shy. I also mixed some metaphors in there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When was the list created? Um, It was created in 2003 and then was revised in 2010, 2012. Now, here's the thing. Here's the shocking thing that happened in the last um, episode was that uh, the B-52s had... An album had two albums in the. Had one album. They had one album on the top five hundred, and it was like in. It was like one fifty. It was like in the one fifties, which I was not expecting because this thing usually this you have to keep in mind that most of this is going to be white guys from the sixties. You have to keep room for all of the Dylan, all of the Zeppelin, all Mm -hmm. you know, all the Springsteen. Like you have to keep it all room for many albums by all of these people. Which is why I think that I do not. I, I, uh, You're going to okay. say yes or no? Can I'm going to yes say no? yes. Okay. But I think we're looking. Oh, gosh. Maybe 375. Okay. And the list is greatest rock, 500 greatest rock albums of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll know. say no because it's rock. Okay. You would think the rock purist would keep yeah. the carmers out here. Uh the Beastie Boys have like an album on there too. Oh, yeah. Close to you is on the list. Yes. Okay, that's good. Okay. I mean, that's good. It gives me some faith. Yeah. Yes. And it comes in at number 175. <gasps> oh, wow. wow. That's okay, great. So okay. I yeah. hit 375. Mm-hmm. I, 200 I, off. I was only 200 off. And this off. is like based on the most recent, like, you know, the only, you know why I think that they're there? What is that? And that high? Purely because of Sonic Youth's obsession with them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It gives them some street cred, I think. You know what I mean? Like, it get, like because Sonic Youth is such an edgy, cool, critical, darling band. And beloved by music critics, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And pe- Rock yeah. critics, People, especially. Well, let's just, out of fun, let's see where Sonic Youth, I think Daydream Nation is probably on here, comes in at 328. Oh, well, so they kicked Sonic Youth's ass. It's true. <laughs> they totally did. But I think but I pa- also think part, of, part of, it of it is kind of what Kristen was saying, which is that like late 60s, early 70s, that era is very well represented on oh. this list. And yeah. that was a huge album that's uh, almost hard to ignore from yeah. that era. That would be real this if they didn't include the album. 
you know, mm-hmm. at all because it yeah. was it was a transformative record, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it really yeah. did change things. And it's got what on it close to you and and we've only just and begun. we've only just, just begun, begun. Yeah. to just absolute rippers yeah <laughs> <laughs> rippers they're out there and when it when it comes to classic albums i think that's what i would put close to you is up there but uh you know the rest of their discography especially the albums that came right after that were extremely popular the self-titled that came in 1971 was four times platinum Song for You was three times platinum. Now and Then was two times platinum. And this is how does this is song, 70, how does song for you go? That's an album. It, it oh, is also okay. a song, uh, but that, I'm saying the names of albums okay. here. Uh, but in terms of do they have classic albums? Close to you for sure. I'd say definitively, and according to Rolling Stone, for sure. Now the next category is iconic slash recognizable songs. Now, again. Should we, we go to the Rolling Stone list, list? To go to now, they're going to be on here for sure. The question is, how many times? I think we're looking at at least two. I think we're looking at. I think we're looking at two. Okay, Karen, what do you think? Songs, greatest songs, five hundred Rolling Stone. I'd say probably two. Okay, which ones do you guys think? I think close to you, absolutely for sure. I think Close to You is going to be in the top 150. I think it's going to be at like 111. And then what else? Uh, what's the other one that I... The, the, um, what do you think, Karen? Superstar. You think is Superstar on, is going to be Superstar, there? yes. I, I think th- Superstar is going to be there. I think it might be like within the top 100. Okay. Ooh, I think Superstar is going to be at like 280. Actually, I'm going to switch those. I'm going to put close to you at 280, and <laughs> I'm going to put Superstar at 111. Let's make sure, make sure it's on the record. That's what I'm doing. Okay, those are, those are your guys' guesses? Yes. Neither of those songs Ooh. are on the 500. Okay, is it top? Are, there how many, is how, one Carpenter song. We've only just it, begun. And we've it's only We've just Only begun. Just Begun. We've only just begun to live. White lace and promises A kiss for luck and we're on our way We've only begun Before the rising sun We fly Where's the, Oh, then if there's 324. And it comes in <laughs> at 414. Oh, well, there wow. you go. Way down. That's wild. But it did make it. Didn't make yeah. the list. You know, and you also got to remember more songs than albums in the world. So it's a more competitive. That is really strange, though. Um, Also, because we I mean, I could see we've only just begun them selecting. We've only just begun because it became such a wedding anthem for like generations. Mm -hmm. You know, basically all weddings through like probably the late 80s. But I feel like close to you, too, is a. What movie was that where he comes in and sings close to there's you? Something the, about, well, there's something, something about was that something about Mary? Mary yeah. where when he comes he's into to the it. well, he so he comes into a classroom and sings that. I don't. There's oh, a like, there's a movie where he comes in where a man comes into a classroom where a woman is teaching class <laughs> and he sings that song to her and all the kids are like laughing about it, but yeah. they're also like, ah, go get your there go is get your a man. Movie that where that happens, but there yeah. is the zipper scene is preceded by close to. Oh, you. that's okay. oh. so there's something about Mary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is 
Is that it Jonathan is. Richmond singing it in? No, it's about the original because oh, okay. they're supposedly going to prom, and mm-hmm. it's like he's. Oh, you know, yeah. I see. Yeah, if we're talking about the, I do think both those songs are iconic. Uh, Close to you. Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? Just like me, they long to be. Close to you Why do stars fall down from the sky Every time you And then also, We've Only Just Begun, you could claim is the Carpenter's definitive song. Uh, we've Only Just Begun also comes from a bank commercial. Yes. Which is a very Crocker funny. Bank ad. It was Wait, what? So it was a song that Paul Williams uh, and his songwriting partner had written for a bank ad and Richard Carpenter heard We've it. only just begun? Yes. yes. White Lace and Promises? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wait, and what had, is it, the bank? Crocker. Bank, Crocker Bank. Cocker Bank? Crocker. Crocker Bank? Yeah. Which, yeah, not a big one. It was originally just a jingle for them? And Richard Carpenter heard it on the TV. No. And he said, that sounds like Paul Williams. Absolutely not. And then not. he ran into Paul Williams and said, is that a full song? He, he called He called up that night, actually, to find out. Like, it was like late night nocturnal TV viewing, and he called up right away to try to get that song. That is like, that is really just truly insane to me. Mm-hmm. It's also not very rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, which is which is a thing that I think we'll bump like up with. That's like to hear, like, I'm loving it and be like, yes, I got to find out who wrote that. I got, I is there a full it. song? You can see the commercial ba-da, on ba-ba, YouTube. Ba-ba, like, yeah. Oh, we, we'll, we'll put that on there. We'll oh, find yeah. the commercial and, and throw it on there. And Paul Williams' voice. So hearing him actually, like, a different voice singing it is kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's, I, that's a... A story that I like a lot, and but like I said, it's it's a not very rock and roll story no. to hear a commercial jingle and then make it a song. It's ahead of its time kind of story, isn't yeah, it? You know, I think it's so. like a now story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? but uh, I think that's something that we will bump up with a lot when we talk about should the Carpenters be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Is are they rock and roll? Mm. And it's that I I think maybe of all the artists we've talked about on this uh, podcast, Kristen, I yes. I wonder. This is one that really This is because it goes toward the easy listening side, it's, it's which is blurry, where people are like, that line. is not rock and roll. But you know me. I'm like, induct the divas. I don't <laughs> care. Put Celine Dion in. I don't <laughs> fucking care. The other songs that I would say are recognizable from the Carpenter Superstar. Written by Rock Hall inductee Leon Russell. Uh, and then I would say Sing. Sing a song. Make it simple to last your life Which, is, again, not a very rock and roll thing. A song from Sesame Street. It's horrific, oh my gosh. Actually. I used it Wait, to torture sing, some sing neighbors. Sing a song? Yeah. That song? The cor- la, la, yeah, la, wait, the, cor- the, the Corpenders? They, they made it a hit. Yeah. But it was. I mean, a I Sesame remember Street it from song. Sesame Street. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Again, not a very rock and roll move. Uh, then Top of the World. I'm on top of the world. Looking down on the 
a real wholesome jaunt Mm -hmm. then it's like gosh the question is like who do the who do the carpenters open the tributary for i don't think they do they don't i think they are their own thing like we cannot because i don't think i don't think you would say well the carpenters got in so obviously the partridge family should yeah i mean that's (laughs) what i mean i'm like oh no I think I think it. it Do you they, think that's the conversation that's happening? The dangerous precedent. No, that the I don't. I don't. Said? I honestly don't think that they think of it that way. Because I think there are some X factors with the Carpenters that uh, you can make a case I for think induction. It's the movie Parenthood. Okay. I think it is Rick oh, yeah. Moranis comes Rick in Moranis, and sings that it. Is it. Yeah. That is it. Oh, great. We figured it out. We that figured it out. It I think <laughs> that the... I'm so happy. <laughs> you were like, there it is. There it <laughs> My is. My brain. Kristen literally got up out of her seat to go check, and I was upset. <laughs> I think that, you know, in terms of whether... Uh, the whole tributary, the tributary thing, I actually think that one of the things they might have going for them is the idea of, like, what happens if you look back at people who have been inducted or like, you know, when you think about heart and these dreams or when you think about, I don't know, a journey in the rock hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So like you yeah. think about open arms or you think about all of these bands, the, these power ballad rock bands, I think you have to give it up to like the fact that the carpenters opened that door. You know, I think that a yeah. lot of people try to repress, you know, they say, oh, it's like, hey, you know, the influence, the direct descendant of Hey Jude by the Beatles or something. No, that's still, you know, a rock song. It's mm-hmm. still a, you know, like, the the goodbye to love as as a thing that just has this weird intense guitar solo in it um i mean it's just like it it like i say in the book it sort of ignited you know it ignited a million butane flames you mm-hmm. know that was a sort of that was the moment and i yeah. think that if we are going to acknowledge that the power ballad that soft rock is actually a thing that that rick you know uh and and is such a central part of any band who was big in the 80s mm-hmm. Uh, and who've already been inducted, then we might as well acknowledge the Carpenters. Yeah, it's but the the hall also has a complicated relationship with that side of those groups. Yes. Yeah, because you know when they induct Hart, they are focusing more on the hard rock aspect. The Barracuda, of yes, the Barracuda, yeah, and the Crazy on You, and they're 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 almost uh, conveniently. Uh, sidestepping some of those ballads and never which is a great song oh my gosh never yeah. <laughs> and never. journey as well although journey it's hard to talk no. about their story and and take out repress the faithfully or you can't do, you can't do you that can't. yeah so yeah we talked about that heart song about how she gets a baby from that man that one night stand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one thing he can't give me is the one thing you can. Good Lord. Yeah. Man. Uh, but I think that about does it in terms of the songs that everybody knows. Uh, even though the Carpenters had a lot, a lot yeah. of hits. I think the ones and that kind of... apparently even more in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. right. Ones that you wouldn't guess. Uh, but the ones that kind of endure close to you, We've Only Just Begun, Superstar, Sing, and Top of the World. Yeah. I think those are the ones that nearly everybody knows. Even if you're barely I listening to music. Rainy days and Mondays. Rainy days and Mondays for sure. Yeah, that's like kind of, I think, in the next category. Yeah. Uh, Second tier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, next category, and this is a great category for the Carpenters, commercial oh, yeah. success. I mean, they are up there truly on the list of the best-selling acts of all time. Yeah. They've sold 90 million uh, They have a records. cool logo, too, right? They do. They have mm-hmm. a cool logo. That, I think... The thing that I learned when I was at the museum is that you get more space on a plaque if your band has a logo. <laughs> if your name is just, you know, Dionne Warwick, who's not in, but like if your name is, you know, Nina Simone. just Nina Simone, it gets it goes in a you standard font. No problem. Sorry. You know, you look like you're won a trophy. You have a freaking logo. You got Black Sabbath. You got your ACDC. Led Zeppelin. You got Led yeah. Zeppelin. The Carpenters are getting a big spot on the plaque if they get in. Carpenters have an awesome logo. That's a great logo. And I can picture it, and it's very yeah. ooh, it's it's very good. And like like the band Eagles, they are technically just Carpenters. Yes, you got to be kidding. They are just me. Carpenters. Yeah. No. Uh uh-uh. uh. But no one would I'm ever. Going, no small, way. Or like yeah. And no one, that was Carpenters with no. You no. Never, no one would ever say that. No one. Would? They probably you don't say it. I think it was an attempt to kind of be hip, like yeah. Jefferson Airplane the, or Pink Floyd. You know. This is upsetting. But everyone me calls them the like Carpenters. It. I think Hi, they called themselves. That's right. They didn't the say. Oh, good evening, everybody. We, we are, are Carpenters. carpenters. No. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was a. We are Eagles. It doesn't happen. But it's just no. a. The a the with a little t, right? You right, know? but on the logo, you're not going to see. The yeah, there's anywhere. no the. It's just carpenters. Carpenters yeah. in yeah. a big cloud. Yes, <laughs> it looks like a big cloud. I do like their logo. It's very cool. Uh, it's very the, 70s. Very uh, electric company, mm-hmm. early Sesame Street. Yeah, it's some good topography there. Uh, the next category is longevity. Uh, and Karen, I like the way you phrased this in your book, which is referring to a group's imperial phase. Yeah. Whoa. Hold Me- up. Meaning, you well, know. Well, I didn't coin that. Uh, someone else did. Okay. And but but it's it's you know it is something that a lot of music writers will kind of bring up when they talk about the arc of an artist's career. Like sort of Hall Notes's imperial phase, like what in the early eighties. Well, like any empire. Is that like when they were com- when they're conquering? That yeah. Like they were just like. On top of the world, dare I say? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, because like any empire, they have their their moment of their peak. rule. You could call it and top then... of the world, bottom of the valley, something like. That. I'm just thinking again. You still hung up on that convention. <laughs> yeah, it's <a> convention. <laughs> but then, and any empire also, you know, they become obsolete. They, you know, their reign ends, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's really what we talk about when we talk about longevity. And you know, I would say there was a period of probably five to ten years where. Especially that 70 to 75 is like yeah. the Carpenters truly are on top of the world. They are, you know, the best selling group and they are crushing it. And then, you know, they're still selling platinum albums until maybe around, you know, 76. Go- I would say. Yeah. And then right. Karen going off to make a solo album. Was that a problem? Mm-hmm. That was a big problem. Uh, well, you know, she did it while Richard himself actually checked himself into rehab for his quaalude addiction. Oh. And so uh, when she visited him, uh, basically, she's like, look, I want to record a solo album. And he did not like it. And he still talks about it to this day in every interview. Like, what, as like uh, the ultimate I betrayal? told her not to do disco. And oh, did she, she do did a disco, disco album with Phil Ramone? With Phil Ramone. She recorded an album with Phil Ramone. It's actually not that disco in my mind. There are a couple of tracks that are kind of disco, but it seems it has that kind of early 80s light rock touch to it. Is she drumming in it? 
I doubt it. I mean, on a disco no. album, probably yeah. not. No, and I mean, she sings a duet with Peter Cetera. Whoa. Which yeah. I feel like... Making so, Love in the Afternoon. Oh, my goodness. So that album was not released. It wasn't Wait, released what? during her lifetime. It was not released until 1996. 1996. Yeah. Yikes, why? Well, Be- Richard and the family, but mostly Richard, said no way. And the and A&M killed it. Mm-hmm. They they claimed to not like the album and how it sounded and that it was like horrible and such a departure and that whole thing. But it, And she lost a bunch of her own money in mm-hmm. that transaction wait so but when she died they decided not to release it they still didn't release it For until fans basically right. so she basically but but like it was going to come out. if she had lived it would have come out no, no. What? No, they they killed it, and she like lived for another several years after. <gasps> oh, I did that not album. know that. No, yeah, it was because they didn't. Richard didn't approve of the content, basically. Boo! He said yeah. he. Wow. She so stole we the carpenter sound. Her mom was the controlling line. I mean, turns out her maybe mom it was could, the th- There are also rumors that her mom was involved in that decision. See again, I'm just saying. Rumors. Get to the bottom of this, well, he, somebody. Well, Richard is I quoted have one podcast. I'm not. Get, I'm not doing another one. Okay. <laughs> Richard is quoted as saying. Uh, because one of the lyrics of the songs that she sings says, my body keeps changing my mind. And it's like, Richard says, my body keeps changing my mind. How, ma- how That's that's not mature. Like, how mature is that? That's just, like, it's dirty, basically. I'm like, know, that's whatever. a very true and sexy lyric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Sounds like a star is born. Yeah. There you bit. go. Uh, Whoa. Right? Okay, I'm just saying, somebody get to the bottom of this. Your ass and then Vindicate her. Uh, next category is innovation influence. Uh, something that is a little bit hard to suss out with this group, but I do believe the kind of recording techniques were innovative and in, in the dubbing uh, and the way that, you know, I, even and I would say the arrangement skill of Richard, which again, they didn't write a lot of the songs. He, he wrote some of them, but the big ones he didn't. And the arrangement is really the thing that is uh, mm-hmm. his skill, which like we said, hard to really notice. Yeah, it's a thankless uh, position, but yeah, I think the way they recorded, you could claim, is innovative or influential. And I think that they were a sort of early adopters of using TV, the TV special, as mm-hmm. a pop act, as a music act, and so they had all these TV specials throughout the seventies, and uh, you know, people were super into it, like variety show ones. Yeah, yeah, like. And Prime people like specials. John Denver would show up. <laughs> yeah. you know? Wow. Yeah. Victor Borga. <laughs> <laughs> um, wh- were they the hosts of it then too? Yeah, they'd host and, mm-hmm. and do little shticks. Would they do bits? They do bits. And, and, and do bits. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. As a promotional tool. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I mean, I guess that was just of the time. Oh, yeah. yeah That's a very sure. 70s uh, yeah. move. Yeah, for sure. It was, it's totally a 70s move, but they were like very much like, you know, among the first to kind of exploit that. There's also a lot of video of the Carpenters. I mean, that's one of the things, you know, uh, music acts of that era. I think it's kind of patchy, like, uh, but they ha- they you, they were from the business end of things quite innovative, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, we did talk about the kind of reverse engineering of like, you know, they inventing the power ballad or like you know being kind of one of the founders of Mm -hmm. the power ballad as well Mm -hmm. i think also just karen's voice was very impactful influential influential on a lot of people uh and it, it it is so weird to think that she did not uh in the beginning she you know she was just like i'm gonna sing for my brother and then she turned into this powerhouse 
and if you look at the list of, I mean, the list of people who have said they're influenced by the Carpenters or Karen, you know, we talked about Sonic Youth already, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, people like Sheryl Crow and then Katie the, Lang, right? Vocally by Karen's voice, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of low alto. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people. I mean, the new Wise Blood record, very influenced by. Is that right? I think so. I think it's very. It, it's if you want to listen to the closest thing there is to a new Carpenters record in this millennium i think that's it <laughs> okay interesting <laughs> uh and then the list of admirers like paul mccartney you know said that she had you know one of the great uh pop voices elton john was also a, a big admirer of her and their friend uh dion warwick mm-hmm. you know they were tight and then you know she also had that good also to say. could open the door for dion for her for dion. If, yeah. if they get inducted and then, then we she, get the Dion, then we get yeah. the Whitney, then we got I me, mean, we got yeah. The thing there is, I go. think I think Dion. Here, here's another thing that we haven't quite talked about, which is that in recent years, the Hall has made an attempt to induct people who are alive, to try and and I get that give you know give people their roses while they're still living, right? And I feel like Dion, who has been snubbed, I feel like I could see her getting in soon. Oh, because she's you know. She's still around. It would be nice to give her that recognition before she passes, you know. And, and, you know, like vocalists, like you can reward a vocalist, not just a band, right? Like rock and roll is not just bands or like a hall of fame for rock and roll. I mean, that's the thing, too. Like that category should be more capacious. Like, you know, it's got to be more than a band. They got to be divas. Right. Let <laughs> yes, the divas sure. in and, and induct and, and, the divas. You know, we, we've had that a little bit in the past. Like Donna Summer is yeah, in. And, yeah. you know, and if we really tra- Chaka Khan if we trace back not. to, you know, the acts who influenced them, like Etta James and Ruth yeah. Brown and Aretha, you know, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's. Uh, is Tina in, in the. She, she is. is right? As Ike and Tina. She's not in. She's not in solo. on her own. No, she's okay. in as Ike and Tina, which is. Oof, uh, that is, is a point of contention for a lot about. myself. It is. I do not, not like good. it. Guys, last category, maybe the most important category. Does my mom know who they are? <laughs> uh, and totally. She obviously she does. I'm sure that my mom owns many. Carpenter's albums. I'm Everybody's sure she owned mom. many mm-hmm. Carpenter's albums yeah. growing up. All the moms from all over the world. Yeah. Like I had so many friends who are also like the, you know, first generation, second generation uh, immigrants. Their parents like moved here. And the only record they ever owned when they first moved here oftentimes would be a Carpenter's record. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So there you go. So from yeah. the, the all over the world. And they did cover There's there a Kind of Hush. hush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a Kind of Hush. Um, yeah, they almost do too well in this category yeah. to the point where it hurts them a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Too popular. Like, yeah. Well, well because yeah. also the for hall moms. is for dad music. <laughs> yeah. And this is mom music. Well, the point <laughs> of this, no, it's true. Yeah. The point of the category is that like, it's hard for an act to get into the hall if they don't have name recognition, right? That's really what it's about. Uh, but specifically if the name recognition is, uh, specifically with moms, yeah, you know, mm. it, it, it again. It's 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 pushing the the boundary of rock and roll. Like, if more moms than young people like an act, do they? Does the needle go towards not rock and roll? It's yeah. hard to quantify. They Poor Chris not. Daughtry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. I think it's time for our verdict. Yes. Should the Carpenters be inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Will they? And if so, when? Mm -hmm. We'll start with Kristen. I think they should. I just think they should. It seems right. It it does. I just feel like I don't think anyone would be. I. I do think some people would be mad, but I think most people would be like, oh, yeah, like if they were to be inducted. Um, I think that they will eventually be inducted. I think it is one of those things where if they make it onto a ballot, it could happen for them right then. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it could happen for them on on their first ballot. It's just a question of getting they don't have a lot of momentum to get them on a ballot, which is and then also, you know, with Karen being dead. Um, doesn't help. It doesn't help, doesn't help. Uh, to kind of rush them. So I think that they will get in, but I I think it's going to be a while. I think they're it's going to be part of a like second tier cleanup of the seventies actually, and I think it'll probably be five to ten years. Okay, well informed. I know it's the fact that I said second tier cleanup of the seventies I mean, just shows go. how far we've come. You hey, don't do a podcast honestly, about a thing for a year and a half. Kristen, we've only just begun. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Karen, what do you think? I think that they obviously deserve to be in the Rock Hall. I think that they will. I also agree with the five to ten year timeline because I think it's going to have to be another anniversary, Mm -hmm. another kind of major anniversary. And I think that actually there are a lot of critical reassessments that have been coming out, not just mine, but in the last year celebrating the 50th anniversary. I think they've become part of a broader conversation about rock and pop music and not just a kind of curiosity of their historical moment. So I do think that it'll happen, but you know, um, I'm not sure if, if there's no one actively lobbying on their behalf, right? If, if Richard is sort of like, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't, but the Carpenters fan community, uh, is a lovely group. And I believe that if we put the ideas in their head, Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll get to work on it right away. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Hey, they made cupcakes. Now they can... <laughs> right? That's the start. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they should. And this was... I was kind of on the fence, to be honest, as I was jumping into my research about this topic because of the, the genre specifications. And I think what kind of pushes it is some X factors, which is that I just think Karen's voice is so iconic Mm-hmm. And so important in the history of not just music, but I think rock music. And I think because she has been so influential and admired by artists in rock, I think that's an important uh, thing to take into account. And I think their popularity and the enduring nature of their songs is something that can't be ignored either. Uh, so I think they should. And I do, I don't. I think they will probably eventually, but I, I think I kind of agree with you guys, and I think it's probably going to be closer to the 10-year uh, mark from now is what I get. It doesn't seem like there's going to be much of a push right now, but the I think the comparison of, you know, they're probably done cleaning up the 60s now, and mm-hmm. then they will start to do the sweep up of the 70s, yep. you know, a decade later. So that's kind of how I feel. Uh, also, just... Just thinking about the song Superstar and thinking about how Richard got all mad about her solo album and stuff. I'm just like, Superstar is like a dark song about a, a, adult themes, you know? I don't know. It's like, 
He does not want her to be singing about sexual things. I'm I'm sure that's part of it. I think that's part of it. Because they've changed lyrics before to reflect, uh, to be less sexual. Really? I think there there was some lyric that w- that involved it said something about to sleep with you and I think it was changed to be with you or something like that. Oh, really? That mm-hmm. even that I don't know. Yeah, there I, I remember reading something about mm. that. So there was an attempt to I mean cuz I mean it was a savvy move also because they knew that it wouldn't be played on the radio. Yeah. So I mean it's it's calculated in that respect as well if only they knew what was coming <laughs> <laughs> right uh so let's say they get in let's say the carpenters get in who do we think inducts the carpenters kim gordon kim gordon's <laughs> an interesting and fun choice that would be a great choice actually yeah. uh i think Dion warwick Dion warwick is a good choice I although mean, what's her public like is she out there is she making speeches i don't know i'm just saying 10 years from now yeah, uh, let's say it's happening now, though, okay. just for the purposes of yeah, this conversation. But I think that I think that if they were savvy about it, they would they would ask Kim Gordon to do it. Yeah, yeah, because she's cool and she's she's shown up. She and she's shown up. She was in the Nirvana tribute. tribute. Yeah. yeah. Um, who else? And, you know, some of the names. I mean, Cheryl Crow is someone who plays the game. Oh, at the yeah. Hall of Fame quite a bit. She's shown up all the time. She's someone who would do it. She's out there dancing at Stevie Nicks' table. She mm-hmm. is. Katie Lang appears in a lot of the, the documentary. Uh, you know, films about the Carpenters talking mm-hmm. about Karen's voice. I think that she's somebody who would totally do it. Yeah. Is are there any like young cool acts that um, like the Carpenters? Do you know what I mean? Is there like has Taylor Swift ever like, said Miley that? Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I know of specifically, but you've got to imagine. Maybe, <laughs> you know, like yeah. if, if you were if you asked Taylor Swift if she likes Karen Carpenter, I mean, it would probably. Be, I think she's publicity oriented she would probably say something kind of canned about uh her influence but i don't know huh not that i know of just trying to think of like who who would be the harry styles of right karen carpenter yeah or of no, the carpenter contemporary pop artists i'm not sure i mean maybe someone like ariana who knows oh yeah yeah maybe ariana's been impl- i'm just curious i just i Carly don't ray jepson I mean, I, I, I love Carly Rae Jepsen, and I went to her concert like mm, three weeks ago. But uh, she is not I don't know popular if she'd enough be, to, yeah. I don't to know get to the Rock record. Hall, yeah. darlings. Yeah. It's not. Uh, well, then there would be a tribute performance. Yeah. What four songs do we think would be played? I mean, I, th- I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. We've yeah. only just begun. Close to you, superstar, and then maybe top of the world. Maybe rainy days, or, Mondays. I think goodbye to goodbye love. Goodbye to love because it's rock. Because it, it's rock. Because it's fucking yeah, yeah. And I do think shreds. that they would ask Wiseblood to do it because it's something that a lot of critics have been talking about. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. Are I they don't the really new Greta Van Fleet of the Carpenters? <laughs> yeah. You know, the Titanic like, Rising is their latest album. It's actually uh, now I'm forgetting the name of the singer who is primarily the the kind of figure behind it. Okay. Um, Wise blood. We'll look into you it. W e i. Excuse me. W e y e s blood. All right. I'll, yep. And I'll, I'll. You know what? I'll throw on one of their songs at the yeah. end of the at the ah. end of the show. A lot's gonna change is a good one for that. Okay. Great. Oh, nice. You're gonna you're gonna hear it very soon. Yeah. Uh, great. Well, that Karen, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Hey, it was yes. a real pleasure this to get to talk to you both about the Rock Hall. Yeah. Now I'm actually invested. Now Look I'm at that. To keep oh my god! An eye on what's I'm happening sorry this, this year. Happened to you. Yeah. Welcome to it's my nightmare. And I feel like once this episode comes out, I am going to blast the whole Carpenters fan network and try yes. to get them to work on it. I love it. Honestly, <laughs> it, it happens. People get hashtags going on Twitter, especially they try to put the pressure on. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Uh, and let's let's plug your podcast, yes. your, your book, your social media. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if you haven't read it yet, <laughs> do pick up a copy of Why I Care and Carpenter Matters, wherever books are sold. Colon. White Whiteness and Promises. promises. (laughs) Alt alt title Whiteness and Promises. You can also hear me on my new podcast with Winter Mitchell Rohrbaugh, my former podcast partner from Pop Rocket. We have a new show, uh, Gen X themed, woman of color driven podcast called Waiting to Exhale. Awesome. And people can find you on Twitter at Inland Emperor and on Instagram at Tonksinator. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. And you can find us on Twitter at Rock Hall Pod. And we're also on Instagram, same handle, Rock Hall Pod we at put Gmail. Out a story. Oh, I did just put you out did. a story. So oh, if, you, wow. if you saw For our story, it was time. right before the recording of this. Uh, rockhallpod at gmail.com is our email. If you want Kristen to read it, you're going to have to make that known. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. If you're leaving a review because of this app, why don't you say lead sister, which is something we didn't talk about, what? but it was, yeah. a, it was a, a lost in translation of lead singer in a Japanese newspaper. Yeah. And oh, lead sister. They said Karen Carpenter was the lead sister of the Carpenters, and wow. then she started wearing a shirt that said lead sister. That's a great name for a band, too. Yeah. Lead sister. Yeah, that's a great name. Or like the new Haim album should be called Lead, lead sister. sister. Yeah. Um, Who's it about? Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusuke Kim for the music. Thank you to Joe Devine for the equipment. And thank you to Chad Briggs and Dave Schilling for letting us record in the home that I share with them. Thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. Thank you again, Karen. Everyone go get that book. Do it. Uh, I'm Joe Quazala. It's me, Chris Stuttered. And who cares? About the Rock Hall. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.